This is Terry. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is Halliburton, and you're listening to Setting the Pace. another episode here at Setting the Pace. I am your host, Alex Golden, and I'm joined by the man who's hotter than a Taylor Swift ticket. It's Michael J. Fachi. Fachi, what's going on, brother? Woo, man, I don't know if I can compete with those tickets. Trust me, I had to buy one for my wife. <laughs> yeah, those things were selling like hotcakes. Uh, All right, but Alex, how much did that cost you, bro? Can you, can you tell me? Too, too much. Too much. <laughs> and the, the crazy thing is, at first, she wanted me to go with her. <laughs> that would have been twice as much. So I was like, no. Luckily, we found a friend to go uh, with her, and I, I was just the driver that night. Hey, there we go. I mean, probably needed a designated driver. I mean, even if your wife wasn't drinking that night, I guarantee she would have been on a high from Taylor Swift because of how big of a fan uh, she is. Uh, so Shara, she was. And let's yeah. just say it took me about an hour to get out of the parking lot. So how oh, about that? That's insane. I mean, shout out Taylor Swift. I mean, you're killing the game right now. Uh, whether you hate her or you love her, I will say this. She's done a fantastic job of branding herself and, and just growing an insane amount since she was – you know, first onto the scene with her first album. I mean, she's completely changed her style, her, her genre. I mean, she's just, she can do it all. And, uh, you know, I'm a fan of her, so I'm just giving her some love here because why not? We got a little bit of time. But let's uh, tell the people what we're talking about today, Pacer-wise. Absolutely. I, one team I'm hoping that could do it all and grow just as much as Taylor Swift is the Indiana Pacers. That's right, right? that's and right. Today, if we're going to grow and get to where we want to be, we got to think about, who are maybe the top five most important players to the Pacers' success this season? And when you're listening to this, guys, this is totally, totally like, uh, you know, opinionated, objectionable, whatever you want to call it, because there's a lot of different players that are going to play into the Pacers' success. So this is a very debatable list. Yeah, I will just, I'll just say this. You can take this question however you want to take it, because – yeah, you could say like, oh, yeah, this player definitely has to have a great season. Well, 
I might not necessarily think the same thing, or I might think, well, we kind of expect that already from that player. So I think that the best way to put this is the top five most important players uh, to the Pacers' success this season. Tyrese Halliburton openly has said it multiple times on different podcasts. I want to get to the playoffs this year. I've never had you know, real winning success since I've been in the league. I'm ready to get there. And I think the moves the Pacers made has helped them get to the playoffs. Now, how the rest of the Eastern Conference plays out is going to be huge, but we got to look at these five players, Fachi, to see who are going to help take us to that next level. Who do you have at number five? Number five, I have the Rook, Jarrett Walker. Interesting. Now, okay. the Pacers drafted Walker with aspirations of him being the future power forward of this team. In specific, they drafted him for his defensive intangibles, which is something you really just can't teach out there. But while it's a lot to kind of ask of a rookie, if the Pacers are going to improve defensively, Jarrett Walker is going to be a big part of that. He's bringing a high defensive IQ. He has that potential to be a really good rebounder and a playmaker at the four. Bringing in Obi, I think, is 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 a boost for the Pacers, but that's a boost on the offensive end. Jarris Walker is, is what you're looking for to be able to say, hey, guard some of those wings that we've struggled with in years past. If the Pacers want to take that next step, Jarris Walker has to be as advertised. Yeah, that's a great point, and I will just try to not spoil anything here. I approach my list a lot differently. Okay. Because I'm looking at this year specifically and how is this year going to help us, and I also think – that we kind of know like some expectations for these players. So for me with Jairus, it's just when you have a rookie, it's hard to put the success of your team on what they do, right? That's probably why you had him at five and not higher, I would assume, because yes, it is important. But at the same time, like we were blessed last year with the rookies that we had and how huge of an impact they had right away. I'm not saying Jairus Walker won't have an impact, but at the same time, I think there's other players ahead of him that definitely need to, showcase their abilities to help this team get to where they need to get to. And so that is why at number five for me, Fachi, I have Miles Turner. Uh, I think that we know who Miles is. There's no doubt about it. And I think last year, Miles Turner really improved as a player. Look, I think he's got to prove, was last year a fluke or is this the new and improved here to stay Miles Turner? He's only 27. He's entering his prime. This dude has a massive chip on his shoulder still. If you listen to his interview that he did on a podcast with Gilbert Arenas and that group of guys there, you could just tell he is very pissed that he has not gotten the love and respect he deserves as a defender in this league. So he's still got that, you know, massive chip on his shoulder. And I think that with team success, he's going to get more recognized. So he was very consistent last year. If he can replicate that, I think, you know, Indiana is in a great spot because I would say easily Miles is a top 10 center in the league right now with what he brings versatility-wise. If he can be the same player he was offensively that he was last year, shooting-wise, putting the ball on the floor a little bit more, back to the basket game that he had in moments, just taking advantage of smaller defenders in those in those spots, that's going to be huge for him. Um, the reason I don't have him higher, because like you could say, man, if Miles has another great year like that, that's huge for our success. But I think other players have to take that next step because we saw Miles take it, and we had 35 wins, which was huge for us. But we need Miles to just keep doing what he does, but we got to have other pieces around him get better for us to make that next step. No doubt about it. I got a, I got a good feeling, a strong feeling. Our lists are probably going to look very different, yes. but we're going to find that out. And sometimes it's good because that way you guys, listeners, know that we're not collaborating on these lists and just being mm. boring. No, these are two totally different opinions. Uh, sometimes they match up, but 
Next on my list, I have Andrew Nemhard. I have okay. him at number four. Now, Nemhard is a major luxury for the Pacers. And I say that because they struck gold at pick 31, a position that you're not expecting to be, you know, such a major contributor. But I truly feel that he could start alongside Halliburton or he could, you know, lead the second unit off the bench as a scorer or a playmaker. He can score, he could shoot, he could defend, he could playmake. I mean, if Nemhard could take that next step forward and show that his rookie year was not just a fluke, basically kind of do the opposite of what we saw from Chris Duarte, like really take that next step forward, then I feel like it's going to be huge. And what we saw in Summer League, maybe I'm coming off the moment, but whew, I really feel like Andrew Nemhard is going to be a big deal for this team. I think he could be viewed as our X factor. And I think that if he, if he is in that, that secondary unit, Hey, he could be someone that could be a great six man, mm. but there's not going to be a drop off or major drop off when Tyrese Halliburton is not out there because we even saw when Emhart could fill and that was as a rookie. He yeah. was still having some big games as a sophomore. I feel like the Pacers don't have to worry about, hey, when Halliburton comes out, I mean, we can't even score a point. We can't move the ball. Nothing of that sort. I will say this. Tyus Jones was probably viewed as the best backup point guard in the NBA. Yeah. But he got traded to the Wizards, and he's going to be a starter more than likely. So mm-hmm. I think that best backup point guard in the NBA is up for grabs, and I think is. there's a good case that it could be Andrew Nimhart. You know, small market team just like Memphis, you know, playing behind Tyrese Halliburton. Like, yeah, I mean, you're never going to be able to fully spread your wings and fly Andrew Nimhart because you have one of the best point guards in the NBA ahead of you, which is not a, a bad thing at all. It's just, you know, it just happened to have really good positional uh, positional depth there. So I will talk more about Nimhart a little bit later in this list, Lachie, but at me, for me at number four, I'm going to go with Bruce Brown. You know, Brucey B was okay. not paid $22.5 million to not have a significant impact on this team. The big thing is Pacer fans shouldn't expect him to take on a larger role than he had in Denver. I think asking Bruce to put himself uh, in a larger role is going to be problematic. I think the best version of Bruce Brown is him being himself. You know, this is a tenacious defender who can get out and run. Shot a good percentage last year from three. He's a good offensive connector. If he can just do that, that's going to be huge for this team because everything that he brings to the table is kind of that missing piece we had a little bit with just our wing position. I mean, he's not an all-star level player, and I think we have to realize like he's getting paid like a starter. He's not getting paid like an all-star. Bringing a guy like this, and you're not expecting him to like catapult this team from 11th in the Eastern Conference to third in the Eastern Conference. So this is a guy that's going to help you improve on the margins, and he's got to make sure that he does that. I think that asking him to probably play more minutes or play a different role than he did in Denver, you're not you're not going to have the same players that he had in Denver to like make his role no. that easy, if that makes sense. But I just think that putting someone like him at the end of games out there who's such a better defender – than a lot of the guys we had last year playing that position, a.k.a. Buddy Heald, a.k.a. Benedict Mathurin. Like, there's a case where I could see your closing lineup being Andrew Nimmar, Bruce Brown, Aaron Neesmith, Miles Turner, and probably Tyrese Halliburton, just because of the defensive ability of all three of those guys at the wing position and the four being Aaron Neesmith. Not going to happen all the time, but I think that there's a case that could be the uh, that could be the final five that close out a lineup. I just think Bruce brings so much to the table, um, but we have to remember, like, He's not playing with Jokic. He's not playing with Jamal Murray. He's playing with a totally different team, but he's got to be able to stay in the lane that he's good at and not overdo it and try to be someone he's not. So I think that's where I kind of put his importance at number four because he's still going to be huge for this team defensively and offensively, but you have to just kind of um, 
minimize, I guess, your expectations for him? Improve on the margins, like you said, I think is a great way to put it. This is not Kawhi Leonard coming to like the Raptors where all of a sudden it's like, whoa, this is the major difference over here. No, this is this is a guy that is definitely going to make the Pacers better defensively. He's someone that you can trust defensively. But yeah, I mean, let's let's take a look at that Denver team. I mean, they might not have been anywhere as deep as the Pacers, but they had a really good, you know, starting five and and a good good team, a good top six, I would say. And Jokic, he makes everybody's job a lot easier. So does Tyrese Halliburton. But at the same point, the expectations do need to be tampered for Bruce Brown. Uh, the Pacers obviously did overpay, but that's what they had to do. So I do think he's going to make the Pacers better in instances, but not uh, you know drastically. So I think he is very important to this team because if we want to be serious about improving defensively, that's why you brought a guy like Bruce Brown in. You didn't bring him in for his offense. He fits our style, but defensively, that's what you want. So yeah. definitely has major importance. I would just say his two-way ability is huge. Like, it is. Yeah, the offensive stuff's not as important as the defense, but it's still important because he shot the ball well. He's a good connector. Yeah. He's a good cutter. He does good a transition. lot of the – he does a, yeah, he's good in the transition. I think he likes playing the speed as well. Like he wants us to play more up-tempo. And so I think he's going to be very good on both sides. That's what I'm saying, like – he, he's got the ability to really be impactful on both sides, not just one. But I think the defensive side is where you want to see that impact because that's the area this team needs to improve the most. And I think he can guard a lot of other teams' best players and mm -hmm. potentially take off some of the load for Tyrese in terms of trying to hide Tyrese, nicely saying that. Tyrese has got to get better defensively. Let's just be honest. He's going to have to improve does, on that. No end. doubt. But I think that Bruce allows you, because he's 6'4", he can guard one through three. He can't guard fours. I don't think he may be able to I in know, like that situation, yeah. but more than likely going to be a one through three kind of defender. And that's going to be huge for this team. Try to find the worst offensive player for Tyrese to guard, even though there's no bad offense. There's not, that's not true. There, there are bad offensive players in the league, but there's not a yeah. lot of bad players that you can just leave wide open in closing moments or in, in closing minutes of a game when it's when the game's on the line so anyway uh a lot of rambling there about bruce but i think we are now into our top three Fachi. who do you have at number three at number three i have a man that you mentioned earlier and that's miles turner okay. i think turner coming off of a career year in a contract year we saw him improve his scoring by over five points per game he was super effective for the field he played 62 games which that was the most he's played in four to five years and i honestly think he would have played more if the pacers didn't play it safe and keep him out now, here's the question. Can he do it again? And here's the real thing. As good of a year as Turner had, that wasn't vintage defensively, Miles Turner. Let's be honest. Opponents shot better at the rim last year against Turner than they did in years past, and his blocks were down. I think that Turner can do what he did last year offensively, but still improve defensively and return back to who he was before because remember in years past everyone said this guy's got to be defensive player of the year no one was saying that last year no one was saying all defensive first team i think that turner is going to get better defensively and that is what i think is going to you know be what shows up in the win column and mm -hmm. if you look at our center situation we're saying hey we're, we're, we're loaded at the center yeah in terms uh, of bodies yeah there's yeah, good miles point. turner and then there's jalen smith Isaiah Jackson, Daniel Tice, it's far too interchangeable as to who could be the backup center, but there is no question of who's the starter. If something was to happen to Miles Turner, there is a major 
drop off at the center position. That's why I think the Turner is extremely important uh, to this Pacers team. I have at number three. Yeah, and, and those are all great points, and I like how you're talking about how important he is to this team. And I, I think that for Miles, he just has to continue to do what he does. And mm-hmm. it's going to be a little bit more difficult, I think, offensively to be as involved this year with all the talent that we've brought in around him, especially, you know, because Matherin's a lot different of a player than Buddy Heald. And if Matherin's yes. starting, it's going to be a lot different for Miles <laughs> in terms of what they ask him to do. But still, I think that Miles and Tyrese had some great uh, synergy together last year. Their connectivity was huge. I, I think that just the way they were able to read one another, figure each other out, like Tyrese is so smart. But Miles doesn't get enough credit for how smart he is as a basketball player either. And I, I think that he did a great job finding ways to be impactful and getting to the right spot where Tyrese can find him and getting into the spots he likes. So, I absolutely loved hearing just that chip on his shoulder that we talked about in that podcast with Gilbert Arenas. Like you can just tell, like, man, this is a guy fired up. And like, it is interesting because he did talk a lot about small markets, not getting the love they deserve and bigger markets, getting you more clout. And it's never been a problem for him, but it just kind of felt a little bit different to me hearing him say that because he's not really ever said that before. Um. He mm-hmm. said that a little bit, I guess you could say, on the Woj pod when they kind of ask him about it. But Oh, um, yeah, wow. Yeah, it's just he really hasn't ever talked about it. Like, he's always seemed happy here. But I do just keep thinking in the back of my mind, like, he is on a short-term contract, so he has to continue proving that he is worthy of big of a big payday coming up. So great points there. Uh, number three for me is someone that you brought up on the last uh, number. That was number four, Andrew Nimhard. We saw Nimhard have a terrific rookie season and jump into the starting lineup, proving he's a huge part of this team's success. But this team can't afford for Andrew to have a sophomore slump with the opportunity to run the second unit more. He needs to prove that he can, can consistently be a good primary playmaker. I mean, he's a terrific secondary playmaker, but he's got to be more of a primary playmaker and get the turnovers down. Um, we know he's a solid defender too. Like he was guarding a lot of different players last year. And I think as a rookie, he over exceeded expectations for his defensive ability. So that's only going to get better to me as he kind of navigates and learns more about the NBA and how to guard, but his screen navigation was so impressive in year one that it's only going to get better. And I love when we had coach David Thorpe on and he talked about him being like the next true holiday. The more you think about it, the more you can kind of see it. Uh, I'm not trying to like overhype him as a player because he's still a backup point guard at this point and Drew was a starter, but I think defensively he's not Drew any, he's not close to Drew holiday, but I think there's a way that he can become one of those really impactful point guards like that. That's able to go mo- guard multiple positions. But um, I just think he's going to probably close several games this year, whether he starts or not. I think that's up for debate, but I, I think he's a guy that Rick Carlisle is going to trust to close games with because secondary playmaking, decent shooting, good playmaker. If he's got to have the ball in his hands to create something and he's really good defensively, you don't have to worry about the, mismatch on the offense versus defense where you might be a little bit hesitant and want to pull somebody out of the rotation at certain points because you're playing offense versus defense back and forth free throws your seven guys in and out I don't feel like he's one of those guys you have to worry about that so just a big year for Nimhart. I just don't want him to hit a, a brick wall hit a sophomore slump because if he does then that means you're probably gonna find more minutes from McConnell which also Definitely. limits this team a little bit and that's not me mm-hmm. hating on McConnell it's just like the no. ceiling of this team is higher with Nimhart being at his best no, it really is. And Andrew Nemhart is so vital to this team. And and I really do think that Carlisle does trust him a lot. And it, it's interesting because, you know, you made a lot of great points about the closing lineups. And I think I'm kind of in agreement with you that it sounds kind of hard to 
imagine Benedict Matherin out there in closing lineups due to the defensive capabilities or perhaps lack thereof. So Matherin's got his work cut out for him defensively by far. And Andrew Nemhard kind of does feel like he does a lot of things real well compared to maybe Matherin where you know you're getting scoring. Like he does that like great. But Matherin, I mean, Nemhard's very steady across the board. And I think that that's what makes him so vital to this Pacers team. All now, right, Fachi, top two. Are we ready? Top two is a guy that I just mentioned. That's Benedict Matherin. Okay. Here's the thing. Matherin needs to progress. He does. We saw the best rookie season of our lifetime from a Pacer. We really did. We saw someone that showed massive scoring potential. Attacking the rim and getting the line in a way that no Pacer has been able to do for years. We've been asking for that for so long. He gets to the free throw line at, at one of the best rates in the NBA, and that was as a rookie, not getting some calls. But the game of basketball consists of far more than just scoring. And we're going to need to see Matherin not just have tunnel vision, because that's happened at times. He's got to look for other people. We don't, we don't need him to be this amazing playmaker, but we need more from him than just scoring. And that's going to have to come defensively for four quarters, not the first yeah. quarter and the second quarter. It's got to be four quarters. For a guy who said he wants to be one of the best two-way players in the league, whew, that's a big statement. But you need to at least become a, a very capable defender. And I think that he can become that. It won't happen overnight, but I think that we're going to see more effort from Matherin. And I think that Carlisle, we can count on him holding Matherin accountable. But we need Benedict Matherin to be that number two option for the Pacers and really be... Halliburton's running mate for years to come as that, you know, maybe that one, two, that one, a, whatever you want to call it, one, a one B type of guy. Yeah. yeah. Benedict Matherin is vital to the Pacers success next year. It's going to be a huge year for Benedict Matherin, but I think somebody else that is going to need a big year as well is a guy that you're a very big fan of. And that's why I have my number two. I have Obi Toppin. At number oh, two. Oh, okay. I think asking Jairus Walker to be this important to the team's success in his rookie season is asking too much. So lot. OB has so much to prove, Fachi. I mean, he's going to have a bigger role. He'll play in a system that suits his game better. And if he can respond well to hard coaching from Carlisle, I definitely think there's real potential for him to be a huge part of this team's success because this team has long needed a four. They drafted one. They traded for one. I just feel like OB top and really needs to prove himself because if Obi Toppin is just average, that's putting too much pressure on Jarris to step up this year and be somebody same with Neesmith, uh, probably having to play more at the four. So if, if Obi's not able to grow defensively, I wouldn't be surprised if they end up closing games with Neesmith, but I think this is where Obi's got to really prove himself and prove that he belongs because you can't be whining and crying about your role and your frustration with your minutes in New York and then come here and lay an egg. So great opportunity for him, but we're not just handing you to the keys of the car. You're going to have to earn it. And I think that if he can earn it and prove his worth, he is going to be huge for this team's success because I believe in the upside. I really do. I, I'm with you. I think that there is a lot of potential in him as a player. He's just got to be able to reach it. And if he can reach it, this team's going to be a lot better because of his athleticism, his potential three-point shooting, getting more minutes, growing as a player, fitting in well with what the Pacers want to do, playing a faster up-tempo style. I think Obi Toppin's addition to this team was a great buy low, 
But I think that if he can, you know, push through the roof and and go higher than what maybe some people think his ceiling is right now at this point, that'll be huge for the Pacers because Obi Toppin is going to be, in my opinion, the person they need the most to succeed at that four position moving forward. Uh, especially just for this season, not moving forward, I should say, but just for this season, he's a guy they need at that four position. Yeah, many great points over there. I think the word potential is what always comes to mind when you hear the name Obi Toppin. It's all about will he reach his potential? And I think he's headed for a a really good year. I really do think there is a scenario where he could be putting up, you know, sixteen and six or, or something of that sort, which. What Pacer fans would be, every anybody would be thrilled with that at the price of two second round picks that are your least favorable second round picks. So well, what what did what Obi- did Scotto say he would average sixteen and seven? Is that what he said? I to think you? he I think he said seventeen and seven. I thought the rebounds is a okay. little bit too much to ask for, but uh, <laughs> sixteen and six I, I think is is something totally reasonable Man, to say. Taking off one point one rebounds a big difference. It, look, I I know, but it just feels <laughs> right to me. I know what you mean. Because, look, you, you I'm know, just I'm, I'm I'm just. I know I, I love Obi Toppin, but I want to make sure that I'm not blinded and, and putting out these numbers that are just unrealistic for anyone to uh, achieve. But I really do think that Obi Toppin is the perfect guy to bring in as a guy that thrives in transition. He's going to be running. When we talk about alley-oops, we used to look at a couple of years ago like, oh, man, Isaiah Jackson. How many alley-oops was Isaiah really flushing down on the year? I think we're going to be seeing a dunk party from Obi Toppin, and the fast break from the Pacers is going to be a sight to behold. So I think that that's awesome, and I, part of me feels a little bit bad that I don't have him on my top five most important. Maybe I'm sleeping on my guy, but number one, I felt like it's the engine himself. It's the franchise. It's Tyrese Halliburton. I'll tell you why. This season starts and stops with Tyrese Halliburton. If Halliburton is not who we all hope he is, then everything changes because he's what makes this this team go. We saw him take a step forward on the court. Saw him take a step forward off the court and be a leader. He became a first-time All-Star. Now can he go from All-Star to All-NBA? Because if he can't stay healthy, then the Pacers can't really win. And we saw him stay when he was healthy. Pacers were 29-29 with him. Alex, that means they were 6-18. and 18 without him if Tyrese Halliburton has a next gear which all of us feel that he does that's going to be the most important thing for this Pacers team's success because he makes everybody around him better all great points and you are right in your thinking and this is why I said at the very beginning of this podcast you can take this question any way you want to take it and I'm going to let everybody know that I still have my number one to reveal and it is not Tyrese Halliburton. And you're thinking, how is Tyrese Halliburton not a top five most important player to the Pacers' <laughs> success this season? Let me tell you why. I think we know who Tyrese Halliburton is. We, I think he has shown himself enough to be able to handle the responsibilities of being the franchise leader. I think Tyrese Halliburton is going to be who Tyrese Halliburton is. I think Tyrese Halliburton has already proved himself as an all-star level player. And I think that is exactly who he's going to be coming back. I don't worry about who Tyrese Halliburton is as a player or what he's going to bring to this franchise. So he's very important to their team success, duh. But I think that we don't have to worry about that. I think that there are other players like an Obi Toppin. Him reaching his ceiling is, you know, bigger for us because last year we saw Tyrese like he's an all-star in year three. Like, okay, 
what's year four going to bring for this guy? All NBA potentially? I think there's a case for that. I mean, that's how good I think he is already. And so I'm not worried about him. And I guess I kind of took it from the approach of who do I worry about the most with yeah, this team and what did. they can reach. And so that's why I didn't leave him or didn't even put him on my list because I have zero doubts that Tyrese Halliburton is going to be Tyrese Halliburton. And that's why for me, number one is Ben McMatherin. And you laid out why Ben McMatherin, it's going to be huge for him this year because he wants a bigger role to be a starter. He wants to prove that he can be this go-to guy in the NBA. All right, buddy, you know, uh, buckle up because that's a lot to ask a young player and it's not his team. This is Tyrese Halliburton's team, and I think Tyrese Halliburton understands what Benedict Matherin does best, and I think that Benedict Matherin will only go as far as Tyrese Halliburton can take him. How much is Tyrese willing to let, uh, willing to give up to let Matherin kind of grow and be that go-to scorer? I think that this year for Matherin, he's going to have to step into that starting lineup and prove that he can defend his butt off. I think we saw, even in Summer League, some of the same problems that he had at the end of the regular season and really all season long with screen navigation and just playing really consistent defense. It was only two games at the summer league and he was asked to do different things. I get that, but he really needs to improve as a defender and he's got to become that go-to scorer for them. When they need a bucket, who you giving the ball to? Yeah, you can give it to Tyrese, but I think that Matherin needs to be one of those guys that can get you a bucket. We know he can get to the free throw line and we know that he can, you know, put pressure on defenses by attacking the rim. But you talked about it. Can he make plays for others? If he's attacking the rim and Miles Guy steps up on him to block the shot, is he going to be crafty enough to find a way to get that ball to an open Miles Turner on the drive? That's kind of simple basketball because we know Tyrese does that all the time. Tyrese is actually probably looking more for Miles on those kind of plays than himself to mm -hmm. score at the basket where Matherin's just looking to get to the free throw line. And I think yep. this is where you're going to see growth from him. I'd also like to see a little bit of a mid-range game as well. You've got to see something. Yeah, because you got to have that in-between game. And I understand that Carlisle has referenced, or I guess Chris Duarte referenced it for Carlisle, that the mid-range is jail. But at the end of the day, I, I think that the best way to look at this is for Matherin to say, hey, I'm not hitting my sophomore slump. I'm improving defensively. My three-point shot's going to be more consistent than it was, even if it's just up a few percentages closer to 35 than what it was last year. I think that is all steps you can see for a guy like Benedict Matherin to prove that he belongs. So I think that his success is going to be huge in where this Pacers team goes this season. And I could have put Buddy Heald. I could have put Aaron Neesmith. I thought about adding some of those guys because I think they're going to have good roles with this team, but not huge ones. I just feel like it all kind of, at the end of the day, how good Benedict Matherin is, is I think how good this team is in a, in, a, in a way. I mean, I know that sounds crazy, but like he, we know what Miles and Tyrese are really, and we know a lot of those yes. role players are, but we need Matherin to step up and become all-star potential Matherin and not just good guy that scored points off the bench and went up against second units. We need him to be a top 100 player in the league because I, I mean, maybe even top 75. I mean, he's got to take that step. Yeah. I mean, here's the thing. Uh, Benedict Matherin has to be at least a capable three point shooter. 32.3% last year. Not good towards the end. It looked like he was even losing confidence in his shot. And this is a really confident guy. And in summer league, we saw him struggle with his shot, but also this is someone who nearly, Nearly 30% of his points come at the free throw line. If you're not getting the whistle, you got to find other ways to score. So I do think that the shot's got to be there. Defensively, is going to be everything. But for a guy who averaged near 17 points per game, 
you know, he's got to at least be able to do that again, if not on better shooting percentages or take that step forward. But if Matherin's to struggle with his shot, he's not getting a line and he's only averaging about 13 points per game. It's going to be a massive blow for the Pacers. So this is someone that you want to be able to take that, that next step forward, improve, whether it's maybe, maybe your numbers stay somewhat the same, but accuracy that, that improves, but he's the type of guy that we've talked about maybe on a fast break it's like he's looking to get that basket give mm-hmm. it to someone who can get that easier basket because the Pacers I feel like they have the ability to play a lot of running gun and be able to get out there and and get smart shots but Matherin likes to hunt for his shot there's got to be more to it because the Pacers just have scores but you're completely right Matherin is I had him at two you had him at one that's how important he is to this Pacers team and their success moving forward there's no doubt about it Absolutely, Fachi. So quickly run down your top five in order from one to five, and I'll do the same. All right. So at number five, I have Jarris Walker. At number four, Andrew Nemhard. Number three, Miles Turner. Number two, Benedict Matherin. And number one, the franchise, Tyrese Halbert. All right. Miles Turner, five. Bruce Brown, four. Andrew Nemhard, three. Obi Toppin, two. Benedict Matherin, one. And hopefully you guys understand my reasoning why I left Tyrese off. If you don't, Feel free to message me and tell me I'm an idiot because that's fair. Uh, and I figured Fachi would have him on his list, so it made me feel a little bit easier not putting him at mine because we can talk all day about how important Tyrese is to this team. We, are, we obviously know that, but I think Tyrese knows that too, and I'm not worried about that. So um, with that being said, Fachi, go ahead and let the people know where they can find us at on the good old social media. Absolutely. You can find us on Twitter at SettingThePace3. You can find Alex on Twitter at AlexGoldenNBA. I can be found on Twitter at underscore F-A-C-C-I. You can find us on Instagram at Pacers Talk. You can find us on Facebook, Setting the Pace. You can find us on TikTok, Setting the Pace. And Alex, tell them where they could check us out on YouTube. Ladies and gentlemen, you can find us on YouTube at youtube.com slash the Pace, a Pacers podcast where you can subscribe to all of our to our channel to watch all of our videos. Make sure you like, leave a comment, let us know what you think of the interviews we put on there. Uh, we did a part one, part two podcast episode series here with Michael Scotto. I'm going to release the full video of that this week. So make sure if you want to go back and see me and Fashi talking with Scotto on there, check that out. But ladies and gentlemen, please do us a favor and give us a five-star rating review on Apple or Spotify. Help us to get to the numbers we want to reach on that because that is always good for the podcast and letting people know where they can find us at. But Fachi, if you are thankful for great listeners and great supporters of the podcast, like Randall Wood, then hit me with those three words. Let's go Pacers! Setting the pace, going to the top. Setting the pace, going to the top. This is your number one podcast. Sweeping every team. We gon' need a mop. Smooth. Mm-hmm.